Good morning, ladies. I'm glad you're laughing. <laughs> Hope you like that video. Uh, the Bible study committee wanted me to let you know that we didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings or um, make fun of anyone. We were really laughing at ourselves, and uh, we were hoping that you would laugh along with us. We were really just trying to lighten up this morning a little bit. You have had a lot of information coming your way, and I'm about to give you more information about Proverbs, and so we wanted to just add a little humor there and uh, bring some laughter into the uh, room this morning. Uh, there has been a lot of information coming your way, and a couple weeks ago as I was thinking about this lesson and, and the information that I was going to add, um, my daughter Rachel called, and she had just been to uh, meet the teacher day with her son Dylan. Dylan started kindergarten this year, and so I said, well, how did Dylan do? And she said, well, Dylan did fine, but I was overwhelmed with all the information, all the things they told us, and she begins to tell me all this stuff. You know, is he going to walk or ride his bike or come in a car or do this, bring this, have that? And then she says, and mom, I have to send a snack for Dylan. I didn't even know they had snacks in kindergarten, and I don't know where my supposed to put it in his lunchbox or in his backpack or and I said Rach did you ask the teacher silence and then she says mom I don't want to be that mom that can't figure out where to put the snack for her kindergartner <laughs> oh well I, I kind of think uh, you are that mom but um, anyway <laughs> she did figure it out, and he started kindergarten, and it went fine. But uh, I started thinking about that and all the information you were going to get today. And I don't know if any of you are out there and feeling overwhelmed by everything that we've said. And, and so in the middle of my lesson, before you run out screaming, thinking, oh, my goodness, they're telling me to bring a snack, and I don't know where to put it. When you have that feeling, just wait. And after the lesson, come up, and I want to meet you, and I want to answer any questions that you may have. And I pray promise I will not think you are that woman. I will be so glad to meet you. We are so glad to have you here. How many of you, though, are here for the very first time? First time at Women in the Word. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Um, the rest of you, look at those hands and say hi to them. Um, give them a warm welcome. I want to give you a warm welcome also, uh, I want to welcome all of you that have come to Women in the Word today. We are so glad to have each one of you. I am Deb Haygood, part of the teaching team, along with Shelley Davis and Lynn Kitchens, Anjanette Walshhauser, Vanita Jones, and uh, Amy Foster will all be teaching this semester. And I am so happy to be here today, and I am so thrilled and excited about this study of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a great book. It is about... Wisdom, And whether you studied Proverbs a great deal or whether you haven't studied it at all, it doesn't matter because there is much in the book of Proverbs for each one of us to learn. Proverbs is about wisdom and how it affects our everyday life. It's a practical book. Most of you know that Proverbs is about wisdom. And it's godly wisdom. It's not that wisdom that we get with a college degree. It's not wisdom that we get from watching an information video or reading a manual or even getting those answers to questions on our iPhone. Proverbs is about godly wisdom. Warren Wiersbe says this about Proverbs. It's godly wisdom, how to get it and how to use it. And that's what we're going to learn this semester. A couple of def definitions of wisdom I've put on your verse sheet. This is what some other people have said about wisdom. If you'll look 
at the bottom of your verse sheet, you read, Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to our lives in a skillful manner. Another person wrote, Wisdom is being skillful and successful in one's relationships and responsibilities. Wisdom is simply skillful living. It is making godly choices. The book of Proverbs is all about choices. It's about choosing the wise path or choosing the foolish path. Every day, our life is filled with choices. Some of them are big choices, but most of them are just small choices that we have to make every day. But when we turn around and look back over our life, it's these small choices that we've made that define our life. God gives us the book of Proverbs to help us with our choices. Now, some of you are here today, um, and you're in a very hard place. You're in a difficult place. Maybe you've made some poor choices. You don't even know when things begin to go wrong, but you know things need to change. Some of you are here maybe in a really hard place through not your choices, but uh, others' choices that are around you, and you need to know where to go from here. Some of you are young, starting out on your spiritual journey, and you need wisdom for that journey. Some of you have walked with God for a while, or maybe even a very long time, and you know that there is always more to learn about God, and about ourselves, and about others. Or maybe you've come today just because you want to understand God better. Or maybe you need help with relationships, you need help with parenting, or maybe a relationship with your spouse, or with a friend or neighbor, or maybe it's with your boss, or maybe your parents. You need relationship help. Maybe you are in a financial bind, or you've lost sight of integrity or discernment. Maybe it's your emotions that are giving you difficulty, or maybe you don't understand work ethic. Maybe it's the words that are coming out of your mouth that are troubling you and need change. If any of this rings true for you, then Proverbs is going to be the book for you this semester. Proverbs has answers. So let's open up our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be needing our Bibles every week. We're going to study them. We're going to look at Proverbs 1 today. And while you're turning to Proverbs 1, let me just say something about the homework questions. The homework questions are our gift to you. They are uh, not meant to intimidate you. They are meant to bless you. We want all of you to go home and study the Word of God on your own. And the questions are just to give you something to think about as you read God's Word. Now, if you've never studied the Word of God on your own before, this is what you do. You go home and take out your questions, open up your Bible, and then you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight as you read God's Word. And then you read your questions, and you write down your answer, and be prepared to be blessed, because the Word of God blesses you. The Word of God changes us. It changes us to look more like Jesus. And then come back on Thursdays and share with your small group, and you may be surprised to know that what you say may be the most important thing that someone in your group hears all day long, maybe all week long. Don't sell yourself short. The Holy Spirit can work through you in a mighty way. So be prepared to be blessed by your homework. And if you don't finish your homework, for goodness sake, come on to Bible study. We want you to come. If you're late, we want you to come. I know the video. But anyway, we are a Bible study of grace. 
And we want you to come and be here. We are thrilled that you are with us today. So let's get started. We're going to ask uh, and answer some foundational questions for the book of Proverbs that I think will help us all semester long. And the first question is, who wrote the book of Proverbs? So let's look at 1-1. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So Solomon wrote the Proverbs. He was the son of David, and he wrote these while he was the king of Israel. Now, for you Bible scholars, I need to say this. Solomon included some sayings from some other wise men, and we know that because it says, tells us in chapter 22, verse 17, and these wise sayings go on through chapter 24. And then in chapter 25, we read that some men during the reign of King Hezekiah gathered up some more of Solomon's Proverbs and included this, them, in the book of Proverbs. Um, Hezekiah reigned about 200 years after Solomon, 700 B.C., just in case you want to know that. And then we have two more men mentioned in chapters 30 and 31, and they are Agar and King Lemuel. Now, their identities are very obscure, and we don't know um, much about them, but we see that the vast majority of Proverbs is written by Solomon. And that makes sense, because Solomon was the wisest man of his day. In fact, Scripture tells us he was the wisest man ever. So I want to give you just a little bit of history uh, so that we can know a little bit more about Solomon. He was the son of David. So let me start in Genesis really quickly. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, and he had 12 sons. And God renamed Jacob Israel. And so these 12 sons and their families became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. So they go into Egypt to get away from a famine, and Exodus opens, and they've been there 400 years, and they are in slavery. They have been taken captive, and they are 2 million people. This is when Moses comes on the scene, and God uses Moses to deliver his people, the uh, 12 tribes of Israel, out of Egypt. They wander through the wilderness, and he takes them to the promised land. Now, it takes them 40 years um, wandering around to get there, but when they're on the banks of the Jordan River, ready to go into the Promised Land, Moses reminds the people everything God has told them, and that is the book of Deuteronomy. And then they go into the Promised Land, the 12 tribes divide it up, and it becomes known as Israel. And for the first 300 years, they were ruled by judges that God appointed. And then they called out, wanted a king, and so God told Samuel, the last judge, anoint Saul. So King Saul starts out pretty good, but quickly he uh, turns away from God. He doesn't have a heart for God, and so God tells Samuel, anoint David. David, who was just a shepherd boy. Scripture tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. David had a whole heart for God. Now, David made many mistakes and some pretty big ones, but David always had a heart for God. And so we read in 1 Kings, some of you may have turned to that, some of you may have gotten to that. 1 Kings chapter 2, we see David giving instructions to his son Solomon. And one of the things he says is, walk in the ways of the Lord, obey God, and walk in his ways. And I'm going to turn to 1 Kings, I want to read... um, Some things here. Chapter 3, we learn that um, this is what Solomon did. We see that he walked in the ways of the Lord. He showed his love for God by walking in the same God-honoring ways that his father David had walked. And so we see God coming to Solomon in a dream and saying, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. 
for whatever you want me to give you. And we read Solomon's response. Verse 8 in 1 Kings chapter 3 says, Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10 tells us the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And then in chapter 4, verse 29, we see God did as he promised. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And if we keep reading in chapter 4, verse 32 tells us, Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. God granted him wisdom, and he spoke 3,000 Proverbs. Now, we have just a couple hundred, several hundred, recorded in the book of Proverbs that we're going to look at this semester. So we see Solomon was the man to write the book of Proverbs. Let me say one more thing about Solomon, though, before we move on. Even though Solomon was the wisest man, he did not always apply the wisdom he possessed to his own life. Solomon had the ability to live life successfully, but he did not always choose to do what was right. And we see that uh, in 1 Kings 11. Let me read you just one more verse. Um, Let me remind you that God had told the Israelites not to marry foreign women who worshipped other gods because it would turn their hearts away from him. And so verse 3 tells us that Solomon had 700 wives. Okay, now right there, that doesn't sound too wise, does it? (laughs) What were you thinking? Okay, 700 wives and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. So what God said was going to happen, happened. And verse 4 says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. And verse 9 tells us, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. And this would have devastating consequences for the nation Israel. Proverbs is about applying godly wisdom skillfully to our lives. We have to apply the godly wisdom. We have to live it out. The second question is, what is the purpose of Proverbs? And we're going to see the answer to that in verse 2. Verse 2 of Proverbs 1. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight. So we see the purpose there is for attaining wisdom and discipline. And the word wisdom, that Hebrew word for wisdom there, um, refers to the skill of a craftsman. It's his expertise in his craft. So the purpose of Proverbs is for us to gain skill in godly living and expertise in living a godly life. And we see that discipline goes along with it. So we know that there's going to be training involved um, and correction. And it might be painful. I don't know about you, but I watched a lot of Olympics this summer. Did, did some of you watch the Olympics with me? I watched uh, 
probably way too much. And I was overwhelmed with how much discipline it took for them to become experts in their sport. There was so much training that took place. And they had coaches for correction. And they did all sorts of things. Like the swimmers, I saw this one story. They just didn't swim every day, but they had to run. And they had to do weights. And their diet was special. In fact, this one guy, I don't know if you saw this, he threw around big semi-truck tires. I'm not sure about that. I don't think he got too many. I think he got one gold. But anyway, he was throwing truck tires around as well as swimming and running. Lots of discipline took place for these athletes to become experts in their sport. So discipline is involved with wisdom. And then that second part of that for understanding words of insight, that is increased mental ability. Increased mental ability. And let me tell you what that means. Proverbs teaches us about the world God created and how things work. And when we learn that and when we accept God's truth, we have understanding And we can make good decisions. We're less confused. Things make sense to us. Now let me give you an example. In a few weeks we're going to be talking about money. We're going to look at the verses in Proverbs about money. And you will learn that God values generosity. That in God's economy, generosity is important. So if you are generous with your resources, if you're generous with your wealth, with the things that God has given you, you, are, you will be blessed and things work well. That is the way God created it to work. Now this may not be the message that you hear um, in the media, uh, in the world, in our society. This may not even be what your friends are telling you. But this is what works well. And when you learn that and do that, when you are generous with the things that God has given you, things work well. And then we have these verses 3 through 6, and they just elaborate on this verse 2, explaining more the purpose of Proverbs. So let's read verse 3. It says, For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. Now, I looked up the word prudence in the dictionary. I kind of like that word, prudence. I looked it up, and it said it means careful management, self-restraint, and sound judgment. Proverbs is to help us acquire a carefully managed life with self-restraint and sound judgment so we do what is right and just and fair. Right and just and fair. That's morality, ladies. There is a moral component to wisdom. Morality is an inseparable part of wisdom. Without morality, you can't have wisdom. It's inseparable. Proverbs provides us with moral instruction, high moral standards, God's standards that are necessary for wisdom. We're going to be talking about morality throughout this semester, and in two weeks especially, uh, we're going to be looking at morality. It's inseparable from wisdom. And then let's go on and read um, verse 4. And it says, For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Now the word there for simple, it means naive, untaught. It's the one that uh, um, lacks understanding. It doesn't mean that they're an imbecile. They just are untaught and naive. And it goes on to say that there's knowledge and discretion to the young. So if you are a young person or young in the faith, starting on your spiritual journey, there is much in Proverbs for you. There's a lot of wisdom for the young in Proverbs. Verse 5 tells us, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. 
So if you are an older person, if you have walked with the Lord for a while, if you have wisdom, there is more to learn in Proverbs. You can add to your learning. That's what verse 5 is telling us. And this whole sentence here, let the discerning get guidance. That word for guidance has the meaning of steering a ship in the right direction. Now you know that it's easy to get off that path of wisdom and onto the path of foolishness. But Proverbs can help us to guide our lives in the right direction. So if you're older and you have wisdom, you can add more. Proverbs is the book for you to um, add learning to your wisdom. And then in verse 6, this elaborates that second part of verse 2. It says, For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Uh, So we see here that, once again, this is the increased mental ability. It's our gaining understanding how the world works so that we understand even the hard things so that we can answer even the hard questions in life. To sum it up, the purpose of Proverbs is to impart wisdom for godly living. And that's what we all want. That's why you're here today. We want to be wise women living a godly life. So how do we begin to wise up and live successfully? Well, verse 7 tells us, This, by the way, is the key verse to Proverbs. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear of the Lord is the beginning. It is the beginning. This is the starting place. And that word beginning means it's the essence. The essence of wisdom is fearing God. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? I think that we really need to understand that if that is the starting place. So I looked up a lot of verses in the Old Testament about fear of the Lord. Uh, It's mentioned 11 times in the book of Proverbs and all throughout uh, the Old Testament. So I put some of those verses on your verse sheet. We're going to look at those and we're going to talk for a minute about fear of the Lord so we can understand what it is. Fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10, this expounds on it. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 33.8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. So to revere Him, that um, has kind of that sense of honor and respect and awe, awe of a powerful, majestic God. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. We follow God's word. Our actions are involved in fearing the Lord. There is a sense of obedience. Proverbs 3.7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That, to me, is a sense of humility. Humility is necessary for wisdom. And then we read in Deuteronomy, and you remember this is Moses uh, reminding the children of Israel what God had told them. Verse 12 says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. We don't have time to talk about that, but I just want to remind you for your own good. God's laws, his ways, they're not to bum us out or bring us down. They are for our own good. And sometimes we lose sight of that. Okay, so fear of the Lord here in Deuteronomy. It looks like it's walking in his ways, loving him, serving him, obeying him. And verse 20 of that uh, chapter 
10 says to hold fast to him. It's put your trust in him. Trust God. Believe in him. Ecclesiastes 12.13. Um, and Ecclesiastes, by the way, was also written by Solomon at the end of his life, after he had made some of these big mistakes. And after he looks over everything, this is his conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes. He says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion to the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Fear the Lord. So fear of the Lord, this is what I came up with, means to humbly respect God for who he is. For who he is, the powerful, majestic, holy God, all-knowing, all-loving, creator God. To humbly respect God for who he is and to respond to him in trust and worship and obedience and love and service. I read this great quote that says, Fear of the Lord dreads God's displeasure, desires his favor, reveres his holiness, submits cheerfully to his will. It is grateful for his benefits, sincerely worships him, and conscientiously obeys his commandments. And I also think fear of the Lord is believing God and having a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the starting place. It is the foundation. Without it, you cannot gain wisdom. If God is not honored and his word not followed, then wisdom cannot be attained. So ladies, this is important. I want you to hear this. We have to begin by fearing the Lord. If we want to attain wisdom, we must begin by fearing the Lord, honoring and worshiping and loving, trusting, believing, and serving our Lord God. This is the beginning of wisdom. This is what we need to begin to attain wisdom, fear of the Lord. So before we go on and look at the other verses in chapter 1 about what the next step is in attaining wisdom, I want to just take a minute and tell us about how Proverbs is written. Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature in the Bible, along with Job, Psalms, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. And the wisdom literature is written in poetry. So all of Proverbs is written in poetry. And you might remember from English class that poetry uses imagery. So there's much imagery in the book of Proverbs. And then also a uh, unique and common feature of Hebrew poetry is called poetic parallelism. And this is where we have two lines in a verse and they have a parallel relationship. And I'm going to just try to explain this kind of briefly uh, The two lines have this relationship, and they're connected uh, with different words that kind of help us see what the relationship is. For instance, the second line may say the same thing as the first line, but in a different way. It's a comparison, and we're going to see words like uh, as and so and better than. This is a comparison. Uh, A second word. thing that we might see, the second line, confirms the thought of the first line or elaborates on it. It complements it. And in these verses, you will see the two, verses, the two lines connected with the word and. And, and it means complement it. Or you might see the opposite in the second line. That is a contrast. And you will see the word but. Lots of comparisons and contrasts in the book of Proverbs. And that helps us to understand what the Proverbs mean. What they're trying to tell us. Now it's not always two lines. Um, Occasionally you'll see three, very rarely four. But most of the time if you look there's these two lines with a connecting word. um, Helping us to understand what these Proverbs mean. 
Much of the Proverbs are short, to-the-point sentences about life. They are brief, concise statements, kind of boiled down to the essence of their meaning. That's why many of us love Proverbs. They're not these long, run-on, wordy sentences. They're short and to the point. Proverbs is a practical book about our everyday life. It tells us what life is like and how it should be lived. And because these individual Proverbs are short, um, they are easy to reflect on. It's much harder to apply them to our life because Proverbs calls us to action. Also, because they're short, we're going to ask you every week to memorize one of the Proverbs that you had studied that week. Now, if you don't want to do this, that's fine. But if you do, just think. You will have 11 Proverbs memorized by the end of this semester, and I think that will be a really good thing. You might want to start by memorizing this key verse, Proverbs 1-7, that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So if you want to do that, you can... uh, We'll all be trying to memorize these Proverbs together. One uh, more thing about Proverbs, they are generally and usually true, but they are not ironclad promises. They are general truths, not ironclad promises. And on your verse sheet, you have Proverbs 10.27 that says, The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Now, this is a general truth, but we know that there are exceptions to this. In our own lives, we probably know people that have lived a long life that did not fear God. And the opposite is also true. We all probably know someone that loved God and followed God, but they, um, their life was cut short, what we would think as cut short. So they are general truths, not ironclad pro- uh, promises. And a last observation is that Proverbs uses personification. Now, personification is a literary device where an abstract quality is represented by a person. This helps us better understand the quality or the idea. So in the book of Proverbs, we're going to see folly and wisdom personified as women. It makes it come alive for us. But I want to add here that wisdom is not a separate being. It's not a person. That's a personification. Wisdom is an attribute of God. Wisdom is part of God's character. In Proverbs, we see the mind of God revealed. When we read about the um, earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, we see wisdom in action. And we see there's a couple verses in the New Testament that talk about Jesus being wisdom. And I will leave those for you um, to read on your own. Because I want to quickly finish up here. We're almost out of time. But let's go through these um, verses in chapter 1 and uh, see what is the next step in attaining wisdom. Verse 8, and look for the parallelism. It says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. So you see here the two parts connected with and. So we know this second part's elaborating on it. And Solomon starts out by saying to his son, listen to instruction. So parents, you need to instruct your children in God's ways. And it takes mom and dad both. And for us, the message here is listen to godly wisdom. Listen to wise teaching. And then Solomon goes on to say, my son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. And let's skip down. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin. 
They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. Okay, Solomon is saying, don't listen to this foolish sinner. You know, the path may look enticing. It may seem attractive. But it is a foolish path. And the foolish path ends in death. And then we see verse 20, a contrast here. Solomon begins to talk about wisdom. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. So we see wisdom here. Here's personification. Wisdom is a woman crying out loudly in the public squares at the head of the streets. You know what this says to me? Um, Wisdom is not hidden in the book of Proverbs. God is not hiding it. It's right there in the open for us. And Solomon is wanting his son to listen to wisdom. Verse 22 says, How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? I want to stop there for a second and talk about these three people because we're going to see them all through the book of Proverbs. We have the simple one. We've already said that's the naive person, the one that needs to be instructed. They lack moral direction. They're inclined to evil because they're gullible, but they can be instructed. And then you see the mocker. Some of your translations will say scoffer. They are hardened. They have chosen not to fear the Lord. They don't want any part of that path. They want the foolish path. They are hardened and they mock God. And then you see this third person, and it is the fool. And they hate knowledge. Now, the fool is dull uh, because they are stubborn and they're lazy. They have no desire to fear the Lord. They don't desire spiritual things. They enjoy their foolishness. They like the foolishness. Now, if you're a visual person, picture this. The simple is the one kind of with that wide-eyed, blank stare. And then the uh, mocker or the scoffer, they're the one with a sneer. And I'm not very good at that. But anyway, picture someone with a sneer on their face. That's the mocker who does not want to fear the Lord. And then you have the fool. And they're the ones with that evil grin. We know them. They delight. They love their foolishness. They don't want any have any part of wisdom. So... Keep that in mind as you see those uh, words come out up in the book of Proverbs. Verse 23 says, If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Now, when you first read this, you may think, well, wisdom sounds cruel. That sounds cruel. But what it's saying here is that the foolish person will come to destruction. Sooner or later, they will know calamity or disaster or trouble. They will know uh, disaster, destruction. And then the words of wisdom will come back to haunt them. They will hear these words of wisdom that they ignored. Let's go on and finish up here. Verse 28 says, Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Okay, what he's saying here, 
They're going to call out to me, but I'm not listening. Now, uh, we all know people like this. They have ignored God all their life. They have chosen not to follow God. Maybe they've even mocked God. They don't want any part of God. And yet, when that disaster comes, maybe it's a life and death situation, they call out to God, then they want God to save them. And they're the people that we hear saying, why doesn't he answer me? Where is he? Why doesn't he care? Why would God allow this to happen? You know, the scriptures tell us they are getting what they wanted. They wanted their own foolish path. They wanted their own way. And God lets them have it. And their end is destruction. It's death. But they did not see that. They did not know that. Now let me just say this right here. If you are a believer... This is not talking about believers that um, have a relationship with God. We sometimes get on the foolish path. It's pretty easy, actually, to get off that path of wisdom onto the foolish path. And when we realize that and we call out to God and we say, I'm sorry, Lord, help me, be with them, God is quick to forgive us. And he will not abandon you. He will be there with you. Now, you may have to suffer some of the consequences of your foolishness, but God will not abandon you. This is not talking to the believer. This is talking to the fool who has made that decision to reject God, to not fear the Lord, but to walk their own way. Verse 32 says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Solomon is saying to listen carefully, my son. Listen carefully, women. Ignore foolishness. Avoid foolishness. Ignore the fool and embrace wisdom. Because the foolish path leads to death, but the wise path leads to blessing and it leads to life. Embrace wisdom. Choose the wise path. I want to encourage you ladies to come back next week. And the week after that, and the week after that, stay the course, stay the whole semester. And at the end of November, you will be wiser than you are today. Because this study of Proverbs is about gaining godly wisdom so that you and I can be wise women of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are such a good God. Father, thank you for bringing all these women out today. Father, thank you for these words of Proverbs. Lord, I'm so grateful that you give us this direction, that you give us wisdom that we can live out our lives with. Father, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to the words of wisdom here, that you would give us understanding, that you would give us insight and discernment. Father, I pray that we might, um, this whole semester, look to you and fear you love you, Lord, worship you, obey you, and Father, that you would bless us with your wisdom. We love you, Lord, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Deb. Um